a, a lighter version of McCaffrey in that system. This is the Dynasty Download Podcast. Welcome back to the Dynasty Download. I'm Tom Duncan. 2018 champ, Ethan Hamilton. And we've actually got football to discuss. We had a draft. It was Sunday night. Here is our reaction show. So... For those of you that are not familiar with the show, we have not yet done it during actual football times. Um, So this is exciting. This is a a new opportunity. I think this is what we always wait for. I do believe there will be football. Um, And uh, it it looks like the NFL is very invested in trying to get this done. Uh, I think the players have the buy-in. They're just going to – it's going to be a weird year where a lot of weird things can happen when it comes to COVID. But um, we had our annual draft, which is seven rounds, uh, at least for our Dynasty League purposes. Um, Pretty much just rookies and uh, a few um, stragglers here and there, guys that didn't quite make the cut on some teams. um, And, uh, you know, defenses, kickers type of thing. So uh, let's just start it off at the top. Uh, The number one pick went to Alan Eichstead who apparently was working, uh, that's to the best of my understanding. Um, he was one of the only two players to not be at the draft, and I think everybody that it's showed up to the draft, out. the people that usually show up every year end up having the best teams. And you realize that the Eichstead brothers, who very rarely show up to the drafts, um, are always complaining about their teams just not like getting anything. So Now, to be fair, Aaron didn't have his second overall pick that he should have had. Because he dealt it to you. I really don't know if we need to discuss too much um, Clyde Edwards-Hilaire. He was the first running back taken uh, off the board in the uh, April draft uh, for the regular NFL. He's going to a top-tier offense where we know Andy Reid and that system produced running back uh, output like nobody else. And uh, Andy Reid seems to think he's better than a potential Brian Westbrook, who was a stud back in the day. Um, so I, I honestly, he was the by far number one pick on everybody's list. Um, he's, uh, if you're in a redraft situation and you have 12 teams, I could see him going in the late, uh, end of the first round. He's kind of in that range for me. Um, but any real debate on that one? No, I was kind of surprised by it. Honestly, I thought he would at least pre-draft set to have Jonathan Taylor as his, first pick but um yeah who um and not surprising that he went number one um but I just thought that he would be on my team and Jonathan Taylor would have went first you having the number two pick is where I guess we should pick this up then because you've already alluded to it what made you take Jonathan Taylor um he's too good to pass up I mean those top two guys are um light years ahead of everybody else there. And I know I've talked about it a million times on here. I know I talked about it with you. I know I've talked about it with Ben, how much I love Cam Akers. And I honestly, I had no idea what I was doing with this pick until about two minutes before I was about to draft. Like I, I, I was not sure. I, I, I had no idea. Um, 
I really wanted Cam Akers. I really did, but I couldn't pull myself to take him at two, knowing that someone like a Jonathan Taylor, and you know I don't like the Badgers, and that's part of my bias maybe in with him, but you watch his tape, you look at his numbers, and you can't argue the type of player that he is. So, um, yeah, I'm going to take him. I'm going to put him there, and I think he's going to get – I think he's going to take over the backfield earlier than um, than we all expect him to. So there used to be kind of a stigma associated with most Wisconsin running backs um, that they ended up like flailing or not producing. Um, really out of the, the staple of running backs, we had Anthony Davis. Um, Michael Bennett had one year with Minnesota, really. Uh, Ron Dane was never used properly. Monty Ball is... I don't even know where he is. He might be in prison. I, honestly, I think Brian, he, the last time I saw Brian Calhoun, he was getting had a, a couple of games. Um, he had a couple John of Clay was like a games. third stringer for Pittsburgh or whatever it is. Now, I will say in more recent uh, scenarios, um, James White, Melvin Gordon, um, and uh, I'm trying to think. There was somebody else in there that I thought also was uh, pretty decent, but uh, have become you know, usable NFL-level talent and starters. I think Taylor's production at Wisconsin um, and the fact that he set so many records and had multiple uh, 2,000-yard seasons play well for him. I am concerned on on three different levels. One, he's not an immediate starter. Although, frankly, other than maybe Swift, I don't think any of these guys is an immediate starter, per se, that isn't at least in some level of a committee. Two... I know he was working on it, and he produced a little bit more in college, but the Wisconsin offense does not produce guys who catch out of the backfield because we're not running a, um, and I say we, yes, I mean we, uh, we're not running more of a spread up-tempo situation. So his receiving ability um, pushes him a little bit down in my evaluation just because of the PPR value. And then three, uh, and I know this is, um, some people like have really harped on this, his fumbling issues, he's had some. I think it's overblown by context of what everybody's doing, but it is something to at least put in consideration, especially if he's not the full-blown number one starter. But I would agree, he's probably, uh, I would argue, in the best position if he gets to starter. Um, But then again, you have some very enticing situations. Dobbins, Akers um, are both in good spots. Um, Potentially Kayshawn Vaughn. Um, Zach Moss could be in a very good spot. I think, honestly, DeAndre Swift is probably in the worst spot of any of those, but he's the most likely to be a guaranteed number one starter um, right off the bat. So that's the more of the immediate term value. I can't believe I'm going to argue about this Jonathan Taylor for Jonathan Taylor. I never thought I'd be here. Um, That being said, um, yeah, you're right. Pass catching wasn't ever his forte. um, But that being said, he is streets ahead of every other running back that was left on the board, um, just as a prospect. Sure. Um, Clyde Edwards Hilaire, I think he's going to be the number one back on day one. Marlon Mack is the only person in front of Jonathan Taylor. And I mean, I was doing a lot of looking him up today and from his, the first padded practice, they are pretty damn impressed with JT in Indianapolis. He was running over defenders right. and all that other nonsense. Um, Cam Akers, I want to believe that he's going to be the lead back. I do think that he takes over eventually, but 
the way Sean McVay is talking is running back by committee. And then J.K. Dobbins, his year will be next year. DeAndre Swift, I don't even know. I really, that's one, like I said earlier, that's a backfield I don't even want to touch. But Well, I yeah. didn't like him as much as a prospect as you did, but um, I, love I think him. the reticence is him. to try and invest in a Detroit offense that throws a lot and that hasn't produced good running backs for a long time. Um, we had like one year Reggie Bush, and otherwise it's basically been nothing since um, Barry Sanders left. So, but, And also, sorry, one more thing. Another reason to take Jonathan Taylor is the trade value. In our league, especially like with him being the former Badger, I just is a little higher, and if I ever got to that point, I could trade him and get a pretty decent return. So that also played a part into it. Yeah, I, I definitely understand that. I'm, I think that sometimes um, the the trade value or the homerness. I mean, it's why I keep telling Dana to see what he can get back for Aaron Rodgers right now, because Aaron Rodgers is um, still going to get value in a Packer league um, mm-hmm. that we normally have. But uh, his return right now is just not as high. Had he traded him like a year ago, and I know Dean is really reticent to pull the plug on that one for that exact reason, but it's just one of those things where I I don't see the pro, or the opportunity in keeping him when they're switching more to a running heavy system, and his fantasy numbers are not going to be up. That doesn't mean Aaron Rodgers isn't a, a extremely good quarterback, but part of his value was is they were throwing seventy percent of the time. Number three is where the draft took its big turn, and this is where um, it's really valuable to show up to the draft. Danny had an extra two picks. He had the third pick in the first and second round, and he didn't set his line or his uh, pick strategy ahead of time. Um, it auto-filled his defense first, and then his kicker at the tenth pick. So he took. Um, both San Francisco and then Harrison Butker off the board. And the I, I thought my jaw couldn't get me lower than the floor. It almost did. Because I'm like, oh, fuck. My entire strategy is going to go out the window immediately. And uh, especially because the pick afterward um, was, honestly, it was a good call ahead of time that uh, you went Judy- uh, in our uh, episode on the, the post-draft uh, mm-hmm. back in April, because that's exactly where Ed went, uh, being a first-time player. And I, you know, I can see the value in that, but um, given the other running backs, I thought for sure that I was going to end up getting the fifth of whomever went there. Um, honestly, Roger and Dana both kind of got lucky that Dobbins and Swift were both there. Um so it was interesting that uh, everything kind of dropped in their lap a little bit. But that meant, number five, I went with Cam Akers. I bought into your system. And really, it came down to this for me. I think he has the most opportunity, both short-term and long-term, uh, out of the guys that were available. I really love Dobbins, and I really love that Baltimore system. But it doesn't work if Lamar Jackson's hurt. And um, I don't see him being the immediate starter either. So that leaves a question of um, Akers is probably the better long-term bet based on system. And if he's like productive and he was during college. So my 
I think he has some injury problems that scare me a little bit. But then again, Delvin Cook uh, had his injury issues at Florida State too. So I don't know if it's going to be something to shake me off of that. And the other question is, is Swift. I really did debate Swift just because of the immediate production value. But I am drafting because I don't think my if my team was one position player away from like um, being basically rock solid on my starting lineup, maybe I would have considered Swift a little bit more heavily for the short term. But since uh, I don't feel my team is in a place where um, we're necessarily going to be competing for the top four slots necessarily this year, we'll probably make the playoffs, but... Um, I don't know if we're really going to make that heavy push unless a couple of guys really have good years and I get a a decent turn out of uh, some guys I wasn't expecting. Um, So this is more of a intermediate pick than um, the rest of that, but I I bought into your valuation on that. Like I said, I almost took Akers at number two. Um, Watching him play football is one of the most enjoyable things I've ever seen. Like watching his tape is unbelievable. Um, he was the number two recruit in all of the nation coming out of school. Um, he played behind the worst offensive line in the entire world. And he still put up numbers. And my thing too, is like, if you would have put him behind the Ohio state line, the Wisconsin line, the Clemson line, we would be talking about him. Like we're talking about the J.K. Dobbins of the world, the Jonathan Taylors of the world, the Clyde Edwards Hilaire's of the world. Um, And that was my thought process. But ultimately, the decision for me with the Jonathan Taylor over Cam Akers at that point was that my window right now is wide open, you know, on my team. Right. I need I need somebody that is going to give me numbers right away, you know, and that's why I was a little bit hoping, too, that Jonathan Taylor went number one to Ike and then you know if I could get Clyde Edwards Hilaire and the numbers that he puts up you know right away man look out so um that was another reason too just for the immediate impact I think he has a more immediate impact than Cam Akers does but I love Cam Akers future I really do as a pass catcher as um he's a strong um goal line work he'll get that he he really does remind me of a Delvin Cook he really does I, I see similar comparisons for how he was used. It was just a much different team and offense the last couple of years, and so he kind of got lost in that because Florida State was, like, really shitty. I, I can't really put it too many other ways. Bad. Um, so we'll move on to six. Uh, J.K. Dobbins went to Roger. Again, I thought that was who I was going to originally be steering towards. Uh, I had my mind kind of set on that one, and then when things kind of fell that way, you always make adjustments on the fly, but he kind of gets a very good, uh, potentially productive player. But I think you've mm-hmm. already said it. You and I are pretty much in lock sync on that one, um, that Dobbins likely won't be the starter year one. They're still going to use Ingram, and it's likely yeah. that year two is going to be his um, breakout, which is fine like, for where Rodgers' team is at. Exactly. Um, but, I like what he did with his team because now you pair Shaquan. Saquon Barkley and J.K. Dobbins together for the next three to five years. and Well, and you don't know, forget he's Josh Jacobs as well. Yep. So, I mean, he's yep. got a three-headed monster. He's got a nice He would be in the back. position that uh, Ben is in right now with Connor Chubb, mm-hmm. uh, McCaffrey, yep. and Kamara. I don't know what the rest of his team looks like offhand, but if he has some decent wide receiver help, you know, I think he did really well 
Um, I mean, he took another running back then uh, later on in his draft, too. So, I mean, he's going to stay at running back a little bit. Well, he drafted A.J. Dillon for long-term value as well because you don't imagine A.J. Dillon's right. going to be getting um, the immediate number. number one starter quality that first year because you still have Aaron Jones and he's explosive. I know, but I think that's in a still pinch. your number four running back. Like that's that's really good. I think. Oh sure. Really good strategy and I would have, at least. Yeah. Honestly, I would have taken. I know we're getting ahead of ourselves in in round two a little bit, but I would have probably taken AJ Dillon with that uh, seventh pick in the second round. Um, had he fallen one more spot, I really considered taking him at that five slot, as well as Zach Moss, but um, things just didn't quite. Um, I, I didn't want to invest in Moss when Singletary is there. That one's kind of a weird situation, and I didn't know if I wanted to um, invest in a split like that when I don't know what the bills are going to be. Um, that That's one I get more nervous about the longer we go through the offseason, where immediately after everybody or Tom Brady left, everybody started picking the bills, and I'm not so sure. I think that's... That's a weirdly wide open division where everybody expects the Bills, but it, it, I I really don't know what's going to happen in that division. So uh, seven, we'll go back to the first round for a bit. Um, Dana gets some running back help with DeAndre Swift. He really much needed, needed his much needed. Yep. Well, when your lead backs were David Johnson, and Devontae Freeman, um, you know you're you're going to be in some trouble yeah, uh, no. moving forward. Yeah. Well, he's now, potentially looking to shop David Johnson. So, um, I know I've got my eye on it, but I, I pull one of these trades out of my ass every year with Dana. I'll give him a roll of toilet paper for David Johnson. (laughs) Uh, That's fine. Uh, Ben takes CD (laughs) lamb, uh, who I think most people had as the number two receiver. Uh, he's going to a highly productive offense with a lot of passers. Uh, there are concerns, obviously, of his timeshare. We've been over that in previous episodes. You can um, go visit our, our uh, previous episodes to hear all of that. But I, I think a solid pick, um, especially for run or for Ben, who uh, needs some wide receiver help. He's really invested on his running backs. He's got Deshaun Watson. He needs tight ends and uh, wide receivers. But there's depth there uh, that he can do. Uh, you went with Jalen Rager, who you've talked up quite a bit this offseason. Um, Damn right. Sure uh, really glad that you got him and that he dropped to you. Um, anything Damn you want right. to add from anything you've uh, previously said on Rager? At this point in the draft, I was feeling really, really good. Like, I was like, all right, I got my running back. I got the wide receiver that I really, really wanted. Um, although these later weeks, I was looking at Justin Jefferson a little bit. Um, but Rager in Philly just really, it really does something to my soul. So, yeah, I was super excited about so, yeah, and I expect big things for him in his career. Not necessarily this year, um, but these upcoming years. I think he's going to be a, a he's going to be a, a superstar in this league. I really think that. I would say that you had a very successful first round. You got two very good young players uh, to keep um, supplying your depth, but you don't have to rely on them uh, right away to try and produce. So yep. you have the advantage of being able to wait on them a little bit. And again, this is probably one of the more talent-rich drafts that we've had in a long time. So being able to have a couple of early picks really does help. Um, I will say 
that uh, you know you got a young, a good young running back who could be in a very good situation behind that offensive line. Um, you got a very good young receiver who's likely to be um, the top target of at some point, if not the tight ends, uh, but the number one wide receiver target of your number one quarterback. And then you got the top quarterback in the draft in the second round um, to kind of build behind somebody I thought about you know, potentially taking it some other point uh, to kind of give me some uh, uh, additional ability. So I, I really don't see a downside. I would be curious where you think you started to go wrong, especially when you start out with three picks like that. But um, I, I think we can build to that later on. So then to yep. finish out the first round, uh, I, I already said uh, Danny, you know, being the returning champ, what he got a good kicker. Hell, man. <laughs> he got a good what kicker. But, you are um, the defending yeah, champ, and you have four picks in the first two rounds, and you took two a defense, a two kicker, <laughs> two defenses, and the last is you took a running back when there were two other ones that were still on the board that you could have had that I think were better. Yeah. Three. Three. Uh, this yeah, is exactly um, why you got to show up to the draft. Uh, Allen takes Hayden Hurst. Uh, I actually like the pick, um, just not um, the timing on it. He could have mm-hmm. waited around and gotten better value on it. But I'll, ultimately, this is a guy that's in a good situation who was drafted highly. Uh, don't forget, he was the uh, Ravens' first first-round pick the year that they drafted Lamar Jackson, they traded back into the first round to get Lamar Jackson. So they thought highly of him. They traded him to uh, Atlanta this offseason, and he's going to be able to pair up in a, a situation where Matt Ryan always loves his tight ends. Yeah, he does. Yeah, uh, I just, Mike, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. No, just if I'm Ike, you know, I obviously he didn't show up to the draft and everything like that, so... You take that in consideration. Just if I'm him and I'm on his team, I'm looking for obviously somebody younger. I would have taken like Justin Jefferson, Michael Pittman, even Zach Moss, something like that. But I mean, sure. Now, I think he was aided by the fact that he actually kept a defense, so he did, it didn't end up drafting that for him. But <laughs> honestly, in auto pick strategy, if Yahoo ever picked a kicker before the last round, I probably would go down to their offices and break their machines. I mean, it's just nuts. There, there should be like an automatic thing that says, don't draft me a goddamn kicker at all. So, uh, interestingly enough, if you look at my current roster, and I think this is where I did a weird strategy. I knew I wasn't going to have a seventh round pick, which I usually reserve for a defense or a kicker anyway. But mm-hmm. uh, I intentionally thought, okay, this is a year where we haven't seen a lot of injuries yet. We're not going to have preseason games. We haven't seen all the practices. There's still several weeks to go, and there's always COVID. I went with a one quarterback, um, my uh, zero defense, zero kicker strategy, figuring that either I'm going to cut somebody or put them on injured reserve by the time we hit week one. See, for me, I didn't know if I could, because um, I took a defense and a kicker with my last two picks, and I didn't know, you know, on like ESPN that makes you take those people. Um, so, yeah, I, I would have taken more. Um, I would have done your strategy, too. I would have taken more um, skill players. 
and then just drop so whoever I didn't need. Right. And it's a strategy I would recommend to um, other potential players is load up. Because, yeah. you know, you don't know what matchup or whatever else. And especially in this thing where a few people have kept the defenses we think are going to be good. But you play a matchup and you stream your defense or whatever yeah. for week one. Um, who gives a damn what kicker you have for week one? You try and do the best you can. If it's the potential where I hit on somebody because I took them a little bit later and I took a deep flyer and all of a sudden, like, somebody gets hurt and they step into the number one starting role, um, you know, now we've got a situation where things, like, really work out. So I'd much rather have all the position players, and it's just something I'll recommend. I know my dad and I often will go, um, especially if we don't get one of the top defenses, we'll go no defense, no kicker in, like, our regular redraft leagues and then pick those up for week one just as an extra advantage. But I'd much rather have a, ba- a good backup quarterback to stream or another tight end or uh, any of the other position players to really give myself some depth and then decide it by week one where I don't have to make decisions under the gun, thinking I have to take two worthless positions and uh, hug my roster on it. So uh, Mike Williams went number two to Aaron. Uh, for being his first overall pick in the draft, I do really like it for him. Um, this is probably, I, I, they were talking about how much Tyrod Taylor throws downfield and Mike Williams is going to be the deep threat. I was kind of hoping that Williams might fall to me. Um, although that would have created some much more difficult situations. Um, Antonio Gibson goes to Danny at, uh, pick three, um, I like the idea, especially because he's listed as a running back. Um, There's another one late in the draft that I'll be very curious about uh, as far as him being listed as a running back when I, and um, we'll get to that eventually. It's uh, somebody Dana took uh, as a deep, um, I guess, I hate the term sleeper right now, but, um, you know, as somebody with uh, an eye on um, going forward for the Las Vegas Raiders, um, but I, I ultimately, Antonio Gibson, especially with Darius Geis now being cut from the team uh, due to his situation, and you really don't know what is going to shake out with the Washington football team, which is going to be weird to say all season, um, that could end up being a starting position for him um, going forward. So even though we've criticized for him not showing up, drafting two defenses and a kicker, you know, you kind of like where that pick uh, when I'm not going to hammer him too hard because, again, you know, he's the only one not on our group thread because he doesn't have Facebook, and I don't even know if he knew the draft was going on. So I, I'm not going to pick on him too hard. I found um, pick number four to be one of the more interesting ones. Ed goes Henry Let me Ruggs go back to third. three. Let me, let All right, me go back go ahead. to three. Um, with, with Gibson... Um, that's one I just don't see working out. One, it's really hard to play running back in the NFL. I don't feel like you can just be a football player and then um, switch over and figure it out. Um, plus, you got to change your body type. You got to do all that types of fun stuff. Um, and to play wide receiver and then to get football carries, I feel like you're going to get beat up early. Um, that being said, um, my last pick in the draft, I took, um, what's his face, Josh Kelly. I already dropped him. I picked up Bryce Love. Um, cause I think Bryce love is going to get some carries and I think he'll be the next man up if, and when Antonio Gibson gets hurt. 
He's an interesting case because he did actually play running back. It's not like um, Ty Montgomery with the Packers a couple of. He took carries. He didn't play running back. I don't. I don't <laughs> think he will be the primary ball carrier. But the fact that he's listed as a running back and might get rushing yards or get other touches uh, does intrigue me because they they have a, an ability to get him the ball in a lot of different ways that you otherwise wouldn't. So I don't think he's going to be Adrian Peterson listed as a running back, but could he be um, a, a lighter version of McCaffrey in that system? Um, number four, Ed took Henry Ruggs. So his first two positions, taking the two um, wideouts first and second taken in the draft in the first round this year. Um, he's a guy that you and I don't know what his long-term value is going to be. The Raiders seem to always fall in love with these speed guys Mm -hmm. who can stretch the field, but, um, never seem to work for the Raiders. So I, I honestly, that that's one you're throwing a dart at, at the board and hoping that that somehow pans out. I don't like the fit with where he went. Um, so there are guys I valued higher, but I understand like, honestly, Ed took a chance on somebody. I can't fault him too much on it. It's going to be a boomer bust type of thing. Cosign. 100%. Everything you said. So, this is where my draft got interesting. Last year, um, Dana claimed I to- or I stole Devin Singletary for him, from him because he had two first-round picks and didn't take Singletary with either of them. It got into the middle of the second round. I took Singletary, and then he whined like a little girl um, until uh, I gave it to him for uh, basically the price of a second-round pick. So this is what the—or the next pick is what it ended up turning into. We will get to that in a second. But I ended up taking two receivers at five and seven. Uh, Do you want to give any background? Because uh, you were really high on both of these guys. Um, I think Ben was higher on Justin Jefferson um, than I was when we were doing our pre-draft show. Um, I did grow to like him a little more over the last couple of weeks, um, seeing video of him and um, just watching his game film again. Um, But it's just tough for me um, for grading players when they only have like one big year. And he had it with the best quarterback on the best team you know, in the best situation. And that's hard for me to grade sometimes, you know, sometimes I like having a dude that's on a shitty team. That's like, I mean, he's on a shitty team. He plays against good teams and he still balls like this guy will ball wherever he goes. Um, with Justin Jefferson too, with the, with the Vikings, um, the one knock I have is, you know, they did support two wide receivers, but it was every other week. Like it was like this week was Thielen's week. This week was Diggs' week. And for me, exactly. fantasy-wise, I like having consistency. I, even if it's like 10 points, I want to know, okay, that's this is what I can expect from him. Not maybe this week he scores me 25. Well, maybe this week he scores me five. Like, I don't like messing with that. Um, but I think Justin Jefferson is going to – obviously, he's the future. You know, Adam Thielen is on – he's on his back nine in that in, – so to speak. So I like that pick there. Um, looking at everyone that's left on the board, I probably would have made the same exact pick. So let me just step in before we get to the other pick that I made. My thinking specifically with with Jefferson is I have Thielen. Mm-hmm. Thielen's going to be over 30 going into this season. Most wide receivers don't usually make it past 32. 
So that means that I basically drafted his replacement in an offense that at least has been decent enough to support one uh, mid-tier wide receiver. Maybe yep. not a stud, yep. but at least a guy that's consistent and, you know, could be wide in receiver the two 20s range. to wide, 30. Yep, wide yeah, receiver two range. Yep. And if you're telling me with a second-round pick that I can have that kind of value to basically, like, if Thielen gets hurt, we already know what his replacement is. I just plug and play. Right. Um, it's kind of, I drafted it as kind of a handcuff situation in one of the only handcuff situations you can really say that there is. So do you want to get into Pittman then? Cause I know like you probably valued him more than literally everybody else in the league. <laughs> I liked me some Michael Pittman. Um, yeah, this is where, um, I feel like I, um, didn't necessarily lose the draft, but, um, it didn't, it started not going where I wanted it to go. Um, Justin Severson was taken by you. Um, AJ Dillon, I was actually thinking about just a stash, just that you can never have too many running backs. Um, then mm-hmm. he was taken. Um, then you took Michael Pittman. Um, and I really like Michael Pittman one because of his size. Um, that's why I liked Michael Pittman too. I think he's going to get a lot of goal line work. He reminds me a lot of Vincent Jackson and Phillip rivers is now the quarterback in Indianapolis. So I feel like Phillip rivers is going to like him a lot. Um, he's getting a lot of work with the first team right now. Um, so I think it's a really safe, um, good pick from where you were in that round. Um, I think he's the best available and I think you made a really good pick. I was pretty pissed off when you did make that pick. Um, so yeah, I think you did well. <laughs> I told you this right after the draft. I literally just made it cause I'm like, Oh, Pittman's there. Ah, uh, let's steal him ahead of Ethan. If Pittman wasn't there, who would you have taken? Joe cool. If Pittman wasn't there. Um, it would have been a, a toss up between probably, um, I could have taken a handful of players. I really considered Zach Moss at that point, partly because I could swap him with my dad um, and let him lock down the Buffalo position. Um, Burrow would have been a consideration. I really like Mims, and I was hoping he would fall a little bit, Um, although I I do enjoy my third-round pick, so that that isn't a problem for me. Um, There were a couple other guys, but probably Moss and Burrow and Mims are about where I was thinking in that, that regard. So, but I, I, I like Pittman for the simple fact of um, Indianapolis has such a weird receiving core right now. Hilton's uh, hasn't finished a full season. I don't think ever. And he missed quite a bit of time last year. Uh, Paris Campbell also missed some time. And so I'm not really sure who's going to be the number two to Hilton who could eventually step in and be the number one. So uh, it's a possibility. But the only thing that worries me about Indianapolis right now, like if this was Andrew Luck, I think Michael Pittman Jr. ends up being a first-round pick, possibly. Um, with Philip Rivers, I have no idea. So I took and a that shot. Too, that, it worries you, too, like a little bit, because you don't know who his quarterback is going to be in three years. You know. I don't know who his quarterback's going to be week 10. You know, it's weird. So, yeah, I agree. Like, but Rivers you were talking has been about... durable, but is he going to be productive? If he starts throwing as many interceptions as he did last year, and Indy really thinks they're going to be um, playoff and Super Bowl caliber, I I can see Jacoby Brissett coming in. I really can. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, but neither of them to me is long term. So if they're pushing for the playoffs and they need a long term solution at quarterback, I don't think either of them fits the bill. So now we have seen guys put up decent numbers like DJ Moore for you did last year with really shitty quarterbacks, but it's not something that I normally like to invest in. That being said, it was the second of um, the receivers that I took. And ultimately, I also took another person um, in the fourth round, Paris Campbell, to kind of lock up that that potential position. I kind of like to double up a little bit when it comes to that. So I can't be too upset because I also got another decent wide receiver in that range um, in the third round that I think can be more immediately impactful. That's another thing, a knock on Michael Pittman, too. I don't think he can um, just produce without decent quarterback play. I don't think he's the type of wide receiver DJ Moore is. He's not going to be the burner after the catch. He's a possession-type receiver, 6'4", 220-some pounds. That's going to go up, get the ball, make 50-50 catches, score touchdowns. But I think he has a hard time. You know, you're, He's not going to have the seven catches for – 180 yards and right. three touchdown type. He's not that type of receiver. So I'm maximizing the value by taking a lot of guys. And that was more of my strategy than anything else. Um, if acres ends up turning out as a good running back this year, um, I'll have an okay rotation because, um, you know, I think Le'Veon Bell will have a better year because it's hard to have a much worse year for him. And I still think he's talented, even though they don't know how to use him. If Chris Carson's healthy, he's productive. He may not be the same player next year, but at least I have starters. You throw in Akers being a potentially productive starter. Now you've got a decent running back core. And then whatever Kareem Hunt is able to produce, because he was pretty much the receiving back for Cleveland. And I like their offense to be a little bit better now that they have um, an actual head coach. Uh, who knows how to like structure an offense. So um, it might be an okay uh, patch together uh, running back core that could at least sustain me where on a weekly basis, I'm still going to get preferential value, mostly out of my receivers, Mahomes and Kittle. And then we'll see where things fall after that. But I am looking forward to my annual lose to Ben in week one, as he just steamrolls me with whichever running back uh, gets 40 points that week. Likely McCaffrey. Maybe maybe it's Zach Moss, which is who Ben took with his next pick right after you with Michael Pittman. So he does take Zach Moss, and I know you really liked him. You just didn't like the fit in that. Again, I would um, direct people to our uh, post-draft reaction um, to kind of get a little bit more in-depth on some of these players. But um, it's just a situation where uh, I don't know how it's going to shake out yet. And if he ends up splitting carries, it's not as good of a, a situation. It's good for Buffalo to double up um, on their running back value when I don't know if Singletary is going to be able to hold up a full season and be the the workhorse. Um, and they have some um, big plans for the year. So it, it's probably a good pick for Buffalo. I don't know how it's going to be for fantasy. Yeah, um, it's an interesting one. I think he's a really good prospect. Um, I'd be really bet it'd be a whole lot nicer if he didn't have the competition. He's not taking over the backfield this year. Um, I don't expect that at all. Devin Singletary is a pretty productive back, but I think he gets a fair share of carries. Um, I don't think it's, it's enough possible. where it's like, yeah, I don't think it's enough where it's like, oh my god, I got to make sure 
this guy's like in my flex or anything like that, but you know, I think I he'll be a productive back. I don't know if um, Singletary was getting the goal line work. Um, I know he got a lot of it in college, but he was in, uh, so he went to Florida Atlantic, which I think is part of the Sun Belt. Um, so I don't know how much difference it is where Zach Moss is a little bit more of a power back coming from the Pac-12. So I would see Moss in a more short yardage, um, power touchdown goal line scenario. Um, but Singletary probably has the higher upside because of bigger plays, um, more elusiveness, more speed in the open field, and his catching ability, um, although Moss isn't a terrible receiver either. Um, number nine, you went with Burrow. Um, the sense I get out of you is, is more that this was kind of an acquiescence pick. There wasn't anybody else you really liked. And I certainly don't have a problem with anybody picking an upside uh, rookie quarterback. I've done it a few times. It's worked out a couple of times, um, and uh, you see what hits. But, you know, uh, last year, Kyler Murray survived to, like, the third round, and he's now um, everybody's darling to finish as a top-five quarterback this year. So who knows what Burrow is going to bring and where your return may be next year. But he's also your second-string quarterback, where you really only need him to play well one or two weeks out of the year. Yeah, I mean, not even that. He's like my third string because I kept Ryan Tannehill as well. So I have Wentz and Tannehill. Oh, okay. So Joe Burrow, I forgot that yeah. you kept Tannehill. Yeah, it was one of those where it was just like, well, fuck, Michael Pittman was taken. Well, damn it, Zach Moss was just taken. Do I really want to take Denzel Mims? Uh, I really don't like Sam Darnold. Kayshawn Vaughn, I don't think he's going to start this year. It's Ronald Jones's show. And then Brendan Ayuk was the other one I was looking at. And I'm like, well, he's hurt right now. And 49er wide receivers, like, I just don't feel like I'm looking for superstars. I feel like they're productive, but I don't feel like it's like somebody that I can bank on to put up numbers each and every week consistently. So I was left with Joe Burrow and that's, that's who I took was Joe Burrow. All right. So past round two, um, just so we go a little bit quicker on these, I'm just going to read the list of round three and you give any um, reactions you have. I'll kind of do them a little bit. Uh, round three, I like Denzel Mims, especially in the short term, because other than Brashad Perriman, um, I really don't see the Jets having anybody. And you can be productive in fantasy on a bad team. Um, it's possible that he ends up producing and being their number one um, guy, although um, that offense really throws a lot to the slot, so you still have to compete with Crowder. Um, Rob, yeah, I, Rob I, Brun- I like that pick I like that pick a lot for Aaron. I told him that to begin with. Um, I think right. that's one of the one of his better fantasy picks that he's made in the last couple of years, honestly. <laughs> well, he doubled up on the wide receivers. He's actually, now that he showed up to the draft, he didn't do too poorly for himself in uh, uh, drafting no, long-term he didn't. value. I told him the he did The one I would quibble with is his round four pick, but we'll get to that in a second. So it went Duke Johnson, Denzel Mims, Rob Gronkowski, Kayshawn Vaughn, Brandon Ayuk, uh, Blake Jarwin, Damian Harris, T. Higgins, Brian Edwards, and Curtis Samuel. Um, I already made my Mims pick. Vaughn, I'm just, I think he would be in a good situation in an up-tempo offense, but uh, it looks like Ronald Jones is going to be the number one there right now. At least that's what I'm getting the sense of. And I don't know how he's going to be in pass protect um, immediately, which is always the learning curve for running backs. But you could um, potentially hit on gold if uh, Ronald Jones gets hurt or has um, kind of a down first half like he did last year. Um, Ayuk, um, 
I didn't see that he was really hurt all that that much, but Debo Samuel um, being out and the Niners not was. knowing. Sorry, sorry, yeah. Oh, okay. yep. sorry. My yeah, bad. But my Debo bad. Samuel definitely not being there for the first like week and possibly for the first few weeks because um, he was projected to be like a kind of a borderline um, two uh, wide receiver, two wide receiver, three uh, in that offense. Um, I just think that there needs to be somebody to step up, and they kind of like Aik, um, and they traded up to get him. So I think um, some value is potentially there. I'll take a shot, especially in the third round, where he's the third receiver off my board. Um, I don't mind Blake Darwin, but again, that one's a bit of a stretch to me because Dallas just does not throw to the tight end. Um, Seven, Damian Harris was one that Dana literally asked me while we were on the Skype. Um, or the Zoom call or whatever that I set up for everybody that only Dana and I were on. And he's like, uh, I need a running back. And I'm like, all right, here's who you pick. Now, granted, the last time that he said that and I did that, he drafted Devontae Freeman ahead of me, who I would have taken. And that was the year where um, Derek's like, no, it's going to be Tevin Coleman. Then Tevin Coleman gets hurt. Devontae Freeman has this huge year, and Data rides him to a championship. Now, not just by Devontae Freeman, but I do want to say this has come back to bite my ass a few different times. So uh, I really don't have a ton to say about T. Higgins. I like the situation, but you he's competing against a lot of other people. I really don't know what to yep. say about Brian Edwards. I'll leave that to you for right now because I think he's in another situation where you don't know um, who's going to end up shaking out as the the number one, number two, number three in uh, Las Vegas right now. And Curtis Samuel, the Carolina has been looking to shop him for uh, a while. So I really don't know what that's going to end up being. The fact that um, uh, Derek took Rob Gronkowski with his first pick in the draft is telling to me that Derek yet again drafts based on name only. So any of your reactions you'd like to give? You should, um, you should do some reading up on Brian Edwards. I think you would be surprised and you might even kick yourself a little bit that you didn't take him earlier. Um, he is one that is looking that he may be starting over Henry Ruggs. Um, and he's been making a lot of noise in camp. Uh, watch his tape. It is amazing to watch. Um, uh, I wanted to, I thought, you know, maybe I could wait till um, the fifth round to get him, but then I realized, oh shit, like, or sorry, the fourth round to get him, but then I realized, oh shit, I don't have a fourth round pick. So I might have taken him around early, but I needed to have him on my squad. And um, I have the, um, the ability to let him sit there and grow because um, of how much depth I have, but I think um, he's going to be one of those rookie wide receivers that a lot of people are going to kick themselves. All right. So you want to move to round four? Let's move <laughs> for um, Derek's sake. Preston Williams, Jamal Williams, Devonte Freeman, Tua Tagovailoa, Paris Campbell's Greg Zerline, Alan Lazard, uh, Justin Jackson, KJ Hamler, Lavishka Chenault. Um, I like uh Chenault potentially although he's had some injury issues and I don't know what that Jacksonville situation is gonna be he would have been an upside pick for me that's fine um Dana drafting Alan Lazard uh might not pay off to be too bad but again the Green Bay situation where they're gonna be running more you don't know what his overall value is gonna be 
he could be a, a wide receiver for um, flex type of situation. Um, Justin Jackson is likely to be the power back to Eckler, but um, because uh, I don't imagine Eckler being the full-time number one all the time, but maybe that's, um, I, I don't know. Um, I really don't have too many other situations beyond this or uh, comments beyond this. I mean, KJ Hamler, I think he has the potential to be a decent player for Denver. Um, I kind of like the pick for Aaron. Um, Chenault, I wasn't huge on. He reminds me of Cordell Patterson and like one of those gadget type of wide receivers. And I think the league is kind of getting away from that. Um, I think he is a playmaker. I just don't think he's somebody that I can rely on week in and week out. And that's kind of where I am with him. Other than that, I really don't have any comment on too many other people. Ed looks like he wanted to try to get his quarterback of the future can argue with that with ed too nope. and i just want to comment on ed i mean he just got young that's really what he tried to do with well and that's kind of what he needed draft. to do yep so, so and i like i i don't mind his um drafting younger talented players that's what you're supposed to do when you're rebuilding from basically nothing um you you kind of strip it down to the studs and uh, kind of start over with some of that the one thing I will say, I was very, uh, I debated it with my last pick in the sixth round, um, going after somebody like Jordan Love, but I don't think he's going to be starting for a couple of years, so I didn't want to waste the pick. But I'm kind of surprised somebody didn't take a shot at it, just a little bit. Yeah. Yep. Um. So uh, round five, Robbie Gold, Darrington Evans, Cam Newton, Jace Sternberger. Anthony McFarland Jr., Buffalo, LaMichael P. Ryan, uh, Van Jefferson Jr., Joshua Kelly, and Boston Scott. You already said you dropped Kelly. Uh, I'm yep. sure you're a little bit pissed at Van Jefferson going literally the pick before you. Um, I like the Darrington Evans pick, but that one's a next-year pick. Again, I think Aaron actually had a fairly good draft. Uh, mm-hmm. I took Anthony McFarland mm-hmm. Jr. just because a lot of people have been talking about him. There's some buzz and you know i didn't see too many other people because i forgot about van jefferson for a while um so um but outside of that um you know i i'm a little you surprised looking, for you were looking at taking my van too what the I hell is this just tom takes all ethan's picks <laughs> shrugs his shoulders he just point, shrugged his shoulders his- at me everyone he just shrugged his shoulders. Like, he just didn't give a fuck. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, continue. For as much smack as you like to talk, and you even lead this podcast often with um, kind of uh, taking digs at me, I have done a lot of moves to take digs at you. Uh, Tony Pollard and Alexander Madison would agree. This one, this one really pissed me off when Ben did that. He knew exactly what he was fucking doing. I thought for yep. sure I could get Van in the fifth, and then I could finish out the rest of my draft with a defense and a fucking kicker. And he takes him the pick right before me. And then he sends me a goddamn text message saying, you took my Joe, I took your Van. He forgot about Joe Burrow. He said he forgot about him, and that's my fault. And that's my fault. And so I try now I'm I really want Van Jefferson, so I'm going to try to get him. But yeah, fuck you guys, I guess. Is what I'm saying. Uh, OK, 
he knew what he was doing. He knew what he was doing. We had a couple of kickers taken in this this round again, or at least one in a defense. Um, I think it's a hopeful homer pick to take Jay Sternberger, but I get it, um, especially when you don't have a lot of tight end help and like it's the fifth round. Um, your your value is going to drop. So, um, all right, round six. Uh, Baker Mayfield, Hunter Renfro, Joey Sly, Malcolm Brown, uh, Ian Thomas, Corey Davis, Jamichael Hasty, Drew Locke, Kansas City, Matt Prater. Are you happy Corey Davis and his curse moved to a different team? I'm surprised someone is dumb enough to pick him up. <laughs> Dude, fuck Corey Davis. That's, if, if I wanted to name this podcast, I'm, I'm, that's what it would be. <laughs> I'm very sad that he's never panned out because I really loved Corey Davis out of school. Like I, I, I loved Corey Davis coming out of uh, Western Michigan. I was, and so, I'm, I'm kind of I was so high on him. I was so high I, on him. I wanted him to be so good. I really did. I had him like three years running in my college fantasy team. Um, so <laughs> I, I was, I was so hoping he would pan out. And I know you were also high on him, and so you kept him around. But like, you know, I, it's one of those. And then we have the kickers and defenses round. Uh, Chase Edmonds, Matt Gay, Green Bay, Mason Crosby, Indianapolis, Andy Isabella. Uh, Lynn Bowden Jr., Tennessee, Jake Elliott, Sam Darnold. Um, Lynn Bowden is one, because I didn't even realize he was listed as a running back, that could be interesting where um, you can use him in a lot of multiple slots. I know he was a guy you were very high on. I don't mm-hmm. know how he fits into that Raiders offense, but, you know, you're taking it as your seventh-round pick. I, I don't mind somebody taking a shot like that. Yeah, I mean, the thing that makes him interesting is he played quarterback, he played running back, he played wide receiver. Like, he can do a lot of different things out of the backfield. You can run the wildcat. Like, he can throw passes. Um, I think he's an interesting player. Um, the reason why I didn't – and I, I had him in my queue. Like, I there was a couple of times where I thought I was going to take him, and I just didn't. And the reason I think it came down to it is my thought process is – how am I going to start this guy? When am I going to start him? Um, it's just, for me, fantasy-wise, I love consistency. I like to be able to just plug and play and not have to f- worry about it. And with him, I love the talent, and I love the upside, and I think he's going to have a couple weeks where it's just like, oh, man, Lynn Bowden Jr., he just went off. But I think he's going to have a lot more weeks where it's going to be like, did he come to the game today? Like, was he here? Um, because it's just, with that type of role, it's really unpredictable. I love his talent. Uh, I love that he can play three different positions. It's just the unknown for me. And I think that's why he went probably went in the seventh round because of the unknown. And um, if it works out for Dana, great. Like uh, all the power to him. Um, just for me, I just didn't, I wasn't for sure. That's why I didn't pull the trigger on him at all. All right. So final question. Uh, other than your own team, because I, you and I both kind of like uh, are always against ourselves a little bit on these, but who won the draft for you? Um, I really liked, I really liked, um, Ben's draft. I liked what he did with his, um, he got a lot of, he got younger, like a lot younger and a lot of good talent that I think can play right away. I told you, I liked your, your, um, draft a lot too. Um, you got a lot of wide receivers, a lot of young wide receivers, and if you can manage to hang on to all of them, um, 
all these guys will hit around the same time. And if you can get some running backs, like I feel like your rebuild is going to be really damn quick. Um, another person's draft that I liked a lot um, was Ed's. Um, he had a lot of good with the amount of crap that he had on his team. His team, we've just talked about it before, was the worst team in this league. And one of the worst right. teams I've ever seen ever. He got young. Um, and he got length and like career wise, like he got a lot of wide receivers and those guys are going to last longer, obviously than, um, running backs. Um, so build up your wide receivers. Then in the next couple drafts, build up your running backs and then they should all hit around the same time. So I think he's got a pretty decent future ahead of him as well. But yeah, those are the couple of drafts that I really liked. So, um, I wasn't clear in my, um, I guess expectation, of I, I wanted you to kind of roughly um, just pick one, so that's on me. Um, but so you and Ben are my um, honorable mentions. I, I do agree with you that you got um, some good value, especially in the first round. Um, I don't think Burrow going in the second is a bad thing. Um, you you have some uh, talent ability. Ben is there. Um, simply because Ben's always been a good drafter for each year that he's done this. Um, he's been able to, you know, at least cover the talent cupboard um, pretty well and at least draft for some value with some upside that he's willing to wait on these things. And he got a pretty good haul. But the person who won the draft most for me is um, you have to take it within a little bit of context. Uh, and I don't like some of his later picks. Because otherwise, if, if you're just taking it on the totality of the draft itself and you're taking nothing else into value, I would have said Ben. Because I think Ben has the most just pure value on a um, per-pick basis. But I think um, Ed won the draft. And it's because... Really? Uh, well, and just as far as it is, he got the two highest drafted wide receivers in the class. Keyshawn Vaughn is not a bad uh, pick for your third round. He got his uh, potential quarterback of the future. He drafted uh, a tight end late. Um, I know he only took a kicker and Malcolm Brown is his last two picks. So I, I don't like that as much, but for what he was working on where he was in a talent desert, mm -hmm. um, just to be able to get some younger players to work with. I disagree with his strategies. I was talking with him a little bit after the draft seeing what his valuations of some of the guys he currently has are. Uh, I think he's overvaluing two of the players he has, but I also understand why. He's so talent devoid that Parker and Miles Sanders are going to be like extremely difficult to pry out of his hands. But now if I were him, um, Devontae Parker is never going to be at a higher value unless he continues um, basically that climb up that he had at the back half of last year. You're hoping that he hits in the same way, but I can't count on it. And if it's a matter of rebuild where I can get multiple picks or uh, multiple players for him, uh, I would do it. Uh, I think there are some guys that are in some receiver heavy um, opportunities that wouldn't be or would be willing to part with some picks to, in order to get him. Um, I'm just thinking maybe not Ben because Ben kind of. <clears throat> I'll use things a little bit differently than I otherwise would, but I think there's some other opportunities with some different teams that might be willing to take a look at that. Um, but ultimately from where he was sitting and who improved the most, uh, I think it has to be Ed. 
If I'm Ed, too, yeah, you need to trade. You need to trade Miles Sanders. You need to trade Devontae Parker. And this, I've talked, I talked to him before the draft. One, because I right. was trying to get Miles Sanders, but then he was, he was asking my advice because he's never done it before. And I just told him, dude, you just need to get younger. Like, you need to get younger. You right. need to just load up. You need to just load up your roster with young talent and then wait for them to hit. But you also need to not be afraid to trade people off, too, because let's face it, your team is not going to win this year. Like, they're just not. So if you can, and I told him, and I told him this, this is a direct quote. I was like, you need to play it like you play the stock market, man. Like when they're hitting, you need to get rid of them because that, that is as much as you're going to get for them. So if I'm him and Miles Sanders does what, I think Miles Sanders has a pretty good year this year. I really do. Um, he's going to get all the work and um, he's not, he's not going to have a talent or a carry limit. If Miles Sanders is cruising this year, you need to put him on the trade block and you need to trade him for as much as you can get. You need to get rid of him and then load up and then draft again next year. So this is a conversation similar to what we had with McCaffrey, just in a different way. Um, I think Miles Sanders is a guy you could potentially build around, but you could ride him out this year. And if he has a productive year, um, but he's the only guy in your team that's been productive, that's when you immediately need to trade him because you're going to get high value back. And again, with these picks, you already said that the podcast should almost be renamed Fuck Corey Davis. Uh, you have to take a ton of these guys because not everybody's going to hit. And exactly. so if you're minimizing your risk by diversifying and just getting as many young players as you can to potentially... Um, take those opportunities. So that's, that's where I would be at. And I would be higher on trading Parker because he only had that half year and people are banking on that to happen again, which I can't predict. And that one's very risky to me where I think his value could stumble very easily if he um, reverts back to his normal. But um, so that would be the guy I would cash in on now. Right. I would have gotten rid of him this off season. And with Miles Sanders, too, though, but I've said it before, and I'll, I'll say it again, with running backs, their shelf life does not last as long. So um, that's what I would be doing next if I'm Ed. I'm not tanking, well, but I'm trading away the stock to, to get more in return. Because your, your, is, your window is like three or five years from now. It really is. Unless you have somebody in that number one slot, the Saquon Barkley, the Ezekiel Elliott type of situation, where... Um, the guy at the number one on the board is like a can't miss running back type of situation. I actually like him taking two receivers early because they're going to mm -hmm. have longer term value. Exactly. Um, they're going to take a little bit longer to develop, but then if two years from now, you know, your team hasn't panned out, but those rece receivers are ready to like explode and you pair that with a running back, all of a sudden you've made a That's huge run and your team's That's in a I'm different saying. position. That's exactly so, what I'm saying. That's exactly right. what I'm saying. So let's wrap this up because we're going to have a lot of weeks like this. Um, it was just really fun to be able to dig back into this. Um, we're planning on having, uh, I think, a um, review and a preview episode each week. Um, we're going to try and drop those as regularly as possible. All those, the schedules are going to be a little bit different. Um, just on a personal note, I, I tentatively accepted a new job yesterday and, uh, I'm in the process of moving. So that's going to be, uh, coming up, but, um, 
we're uh, hoping to do the two episode a week thing uh, and uh, make sure things are going on. Uh, hopefully, we're going to get some guests from the league uh, to come on in the short term. I know Ed said he would be willing to come on if the schedules work. Um, we could probably swing Ben again. Uh, I know Dana's ready to come on, especially. I think he'd be most fun in the week that he plays you. Ethan you Dana can, week. Ethan I'm just going to basically, yeah, it's going to be like <laughs> Democrat versus Republican. Not literally, because you're both uh, in one particular po- political party. but um, And I'm just going to basically be the moderator throwing chum in the water <laughs> and letting you two go. But uh, I think we have a fun season uh, potentially coming up. Even with all the weirdness, this, this could be a, a very good year, and I'm looking forward to it. Um, as for other housekeeping notes, um, we are potentially exploring an umbrella network of uh, potential shows. I've got some other stuff in the works. Um, the other podcast that I do that's uh, currently under our umbrella network, uh, which we haven't named yet, but uh, is the greatest movie of all time podcast. Um, we are up to episode 28, which dropped today. Um, uh I'm planning on releasing this tomorrow, so technically it'll have been released uh, yesterday, but that one is The American Graffiti from 1973, the movie George Lucas made, which allowed him to do Star Wars. And uh, then uh, we have another episode while Dana's on vacation dropping on Thursday. Um, We're planning on doing uh, some other big movies coming up, uh, Jaws, Home Alone, Casablanca in the back half of this season. So stay tuned for all of that. Um, if you are interested in being a guest on either of the shows, you can get in contact uh, with us. Uh, DynastyDownload at gmail.com um, is the email for the website. And uh, I'm just excited for the year. Yeah, I'm I'm excited that football's back. I'm excited to talk shit to my friends. And I'm excited to win this fucking league again. It's, it's, it's mine, and I want it back. And I think I got the squad for it. And man, I'm honestly, I'm just ready for football. I'm excited to be back. All right. Well, I look forward to talking to you in the upcoming weeks. Uh, thanks everybody for listening and uh, have a good one.